Hey, it's Thomas. Before we get too far into this episode, I want to mention that Niagara Moon, a.k.a. me, was interviewed on another podcast recently that features Seattle musicians called Word on the Street. If you've listened to my podcast before, you might notice that I try to let the guest talk as much as possible, and I try not to go on and on about myself. But in this case, I was encouraged to go on and on about myself for almost an hour. So if you'd like to learn more about me and the music that I make under Niagara Moon, I definitely recommend you give that a listen. It was a pretty fun conversation. The host, uh, his name is The Zim. He's a very nice dude. Anyway, I put a link to that interview on his podcast, Word on the Street, in the show notes for this podcast. Check it out if you're curious. Hello, everybody. You're listening to Talking About the Passion. I'm Thomas Irwin. This is a podcast where I interview different independent musicians and showcase their music. As for myself, I'm a singer-songwriter and producer who goes by Niagara Moon. You can look up more about my own music at niagaramoonmusic.com. Just want to quickly remind those of you listening in Seattle about that upcoming Glass Frames EP release show that Niagara Moon will be playing at. Come see us at 8 p.m. this Sunday, September 10th at Tractor Tavern in Ballard. 21 plus only. I've included the link to buy tickets in the episode description. Hope to see you there. For episode 35, we have Henning Olenbush of the band Gentle Hen. Henning is a singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, producer, and performer based in Northampton, Massachusetts. He makes albums on his own and with his band Gentle Hen, previously known as School for the Dead. Henning has also recorded with The Fawns, Sitting Next to Brian, Bourgeois Heroes, and Goldwater. He produced Mark Mulcahy's critically loved album, Dear Mark J. Mulcahy, I Love You, and Ray Mason's The Shy Requester. He's been a touring player with Winter Pills, Spouse, Chris Collingwood, Polaris, and Mark Mulcahy. He also runs the label Rub Wrongways Records. Henning is releasing not one, but two albums this year. He put out a solo album earlier in 2017 called Another Sleepless Nap, and the latest Gentle Hen album, Sneaking Up on the Moon, is coming out in just two days, September 8th. Uh, Gentle Hen will be celebrating the album's release with a show at the Parlor Room in Northampton on September 10th. Coming up first, we'll hear a track off of Sneaking Up on the Moon called Made Up Stars.
All right. Thank you, Henning, for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So I guess we'll get right into it. Uh, what first got you into playing music? I guess uh, probably my older brothers. I'm the youngest of three brothers and uh, kind of the classic story of the older brothers who had the great record collections and the creativity. Started, you know, piano lessons when I was in fourth grade or something like that. But I didn't really pick it up until I was, say, 14 or 15. Got a uh, an old used uh, junky guitar at a tag sale with uh, three strings on it, the hmm. high three strings, <laughs> and learned to play on those uh, strings until I was able to afford a uh, an actual guitar, you know. And then I had to relearn all the chords and the six strings, and then uh, I just kept going from there. Wow! When you bought that first three-string guitar, did you know that guitars were supposed to have six strings or i didn't i didn't know there was clearly an area missing something uh it was a stella a little stella acoustic guitar that uh, and the strings must have been like an inch off of the fretboard i mean it was it was painful and they were rusty and, but i just kept playing and uh, writing songs with my friends cool so uh yeah where was this where did you grow up I grew up in eastern Massachusetts in a town called Andover, which is about 20 miles north of Boston. Okay, yeah, I've heard of that one. Really? Yeah, it's just that or like Fitchburg or Lemonster. It's just one of those names that... Because I'm, I'm from Massachusetts too, but oh, okay. I'm from western right. Massachusetts. But right. you hear about the other side of the state. Yeah, Usually yeah. You meet somebody from over there. So you grew up in eastern Mass, stayed there all through like high school? Yeah, I moved out uh, to uh, Amherst to go to UMass Amherst, and then I stayed. Uh, oh, UMass much. Amherst. Yeah. <clears throat> and then I you know, I was there for a little while. I went back home for a little while, and then eventually I moved out to Northampton, uh, where I live now. Awesome. So how long have you been uh, living in my hometown of Northampton? I've been here for a, ooh, a little over 20 years now. Okay, yeah. so that's really your home. Yeah, yeah. What was it about the Pioneer Valley that uh, made you want to settle down there? Oh, it's so much better. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> I uh, well, I did have some friends out here that helped, but uh, when I attended UMass, I randomly got put in this dormitory called Butterfield, and it turned out to be sort of a little bit almost more like a co-op than a regular dorm. It had mm. its own dining common in the bottom, in the basement, and it was kind of a little bit full of hippies and artists. And it was really different than what I experienced growing up, but it was really sort of exactly what I needed and where I fit in. So I, I was out there in that dorm for a while, and it was pretty formative years, as those are. And uh, when I came back out, a lot of those people were still here, and mm. there's a lot of people still making music, and I knew I would be able to uh, jump right into the music scene. Now, is this back when like the Blue Wall was actually a venue? The Blue Wall, yeah, I saw, who did I see there? I saw Robin Hitchcock there. I saw um, maybe Jello Biafra. Uh, the Dead Kennedys guy? Yeah, yeah. I uh, saw some other shows there. Yeah, I never played there. Wow, you should see it now, though. It's it's a little yeah, grotesque. It looks, like, yeah. it looks like an airport like terminal. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's sad. All those venues are gone. There were a bunch of venues in, at UMass yeah. when I was there. This was, uh, so was this after the Pixies? Yeah, almost the same. T yeah, it was a couple, a few years after, I think. I don't know exactly when they were there, but I know when I was there that I think UMass was already a song. Like the picture. Oh, okay, song yeah, yeah. Existed, I think, or right after, but yeah. Oh. Huh. Yeah. Uh, the people who were there were uh, um, 
I think that maybe some of the Buffalo Tom guys possibly were there because I think I saw them in the basement of a dorm. I don't know if you know them or not. But. No, I haven't heard of them. I know the whole like uh, you know Dinosaur Junior, Sonic Youth, right? The college alternative rock thing yeah. going on around Northampton. But yeah, there's a lot of bands besides that. It's really for how small the area is. It's surprising how many groups came out of it. It's there. crazy. Yeah, and are still coming out of here. Yeah. So you've been a a big part of that scene, I guess, like you said, for, I guess, over 20 years now. Just looking at your uh, discography on your website, I mean, you've been a part of a ton of musical projects over the years. I have. So you were you were a member of several different bands, and then you also uh, record and uh, produce, I understand? Yeah. I, I When I first came out here, I, I, I started in a couple bands. And then when one of those bands called Humbert broke up, the three of us decided we're going to keep writing songs. We were, there are three songwriters in the band, so let's make a little record label. So we started a little record label called Rub Wrong Ways Records. Great name. And uh, I've pretty much, <laughs> thanks. I've pretty much just taken it over. So I, I run that. And I also call my little, uh, my basement studio here, Rub Wrong Ways Records too. It's all, it's all one thing. So yeah, I do, uh, I, I do recording and producing and putting out friends records. Hmm. What feels like your, uh, main musical occupation these days? What are you spending the most of your time on? Would you say? Well, these days, like these very current days is, is this new album that I have with my band Gentle Hand. Right, right. So we just finished that. So I'm that I'm kind of in that whole world of trying to organize the album release and getting it out to people who have pre-ordered it or who I think might like to hear it. So that's where I kind of am right now. And then uh, I also play regularly in a band called The Fawns, uh, which is a lot of the same members as Gentle Hand. So we play regularly, and then I, uh, I'm always playing and writing my own songs. I was just working on one right before you called. Oh, wow. It's just always always happening. You have the, uh, the compulsion to work on new songs on a regular basis, always be writing. I do. Yeah, do you have that? I can sometimes have it, but I don't like to have too many new songs going on at once because I just get worried that I'm not going to see everything through, which is a really stressful idea to me. So you need to like finish one song until you can start the next. Or I or... need to just not have more than like six going on in my brain at one time. Like I can't just be writing and writing. Like I can generate a fairly large amount of new material in a short span of time, but then I want to like see that batch through before I feel okay about moving on. Because I, I I like to I like to see the arrangement and production through on something too before I. I don't know, because then the songs just all get crossed in my head. I don't know. Yeah, so you actually want to record and finish six songs, roughly, before you start more, or just finish writing them? Um, I'm interviewing you now. Yeah, I would say <laughs> that through recording them, I will like bring them to fruition more. I rarely yeah. just like have the piano chords and the melody and most lyrics or whatever and consider that totally finished a lot of the time. Got like, it. Kind of new aspects of the song will kind of come to light as I'm filling it out yeah. when I'm recording it or whatever. So I don't mind having like stragglers and all that sort of stuff, but I just, I don't like the idea of writing a bunch of new material when I already feel like I have my work set aside for me in terms of like developing the songs I've already written. But um, I'm also not a, a songwriter who's very minimal. Like I don't just play acoustic guitar and sing or something like that. 
but right. you're more, uh, I mean, you have the band Gentle Hen, and then, I mean, just the same year you put out a solo album, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. <laughs> so with the solo <laughs> stuff, is that the uh, the singing with an acoustic guitar style well, of music? It, it sort of is. I th- on that last one I put out, three of the songs are piano, uh, some of them are guitar and singing, some of them are, a couple of them are like synthesizers. I, I just, uh, whatever each song needs sort of that's how i do it but i am i'm i always almost always write them on just sitting and with the acoustic guitar uh and when i consider a song done it's not necessarily recorded or fleshed out anymore it's just like there's the melody the chords and the words the structure and it's it's done so i I, the ones for my for my solo records i I kind of always know when I start writing them if it's going to be a band song or if it's going to be just for a solo record. And it's usually partially the mood. Like it's a little bit mellower when it's just my own solo album. But also also thematically, I think that the ones for my solo are a little bit more individual where the band ones are slightly more universal uh, theme-wise. But I think that might all just be I'm the only one who can tell the the tiny difference between the two. I don't know. I mean, the the songs I have heard from another Sleepless Snap, your most recent solo record, I mean, they're very uh, self-reflective, I would say. Yeah, yeah, they are. They're not always necessarily about me. But they do have a more kind of personal feel to them. Yeah, I think so. I hope so. I put my name in the the, the title and stuff all the time, so, yeah. So what are the, uh, the origins of Gentle Hen? Gentle Hen... Yeah, we we used to be called School for the Dead. Our first show was in 2001, and we were called Henning's School for the Dead. And it was supposed to be a one-off show to present my solo album, which was called Henning's School for the Dead. So we just called the band that. And then uh, it just it worked so well that we kept playing shows, which often happens, right? And I wanted to get rid of the name Henning's out of there. So then we just became School for the Dead. And we were that for, uh, I don't know how long, 12 years or something, and uh, put out a few records. I got really sick of that name uh, because it was it was just really dark. Uh, satanic cults or something. Satanic cults, but yeah, even worse were like the actual school shootings. Oh, oh okay, yeah, I yeah. see what you mean. Um, but it was just a dark name, and it, it worked for the time, and so we decided uh, just to switch our name, same exact band. Same exact sound, everything would just change a new name. Kept My, the lineup over all these years? Yeah, pretty much. The, our first show, we had a different guitarist, but after that, uh, we, we were the same group of five people uh, until very recently our guitarist moved uh, moved away. So now we're four. But I always say we can play, it can be a gentle hand show if it's one person or five people. We, we can do it in any any arrangement. Yeah, that's kind of how it is with my project, Niagara Moon. Like if I got all five people in the room with me, great. If it's just me, I'm still going to call it Niagara Moon, pretty much. Yeah, you have to be flexible because everybody's <laughs> so busy, right? Yep. So Gentle Hen, is Hen being uh, Henning? Is that a nickname someone gave you or something? Yeah, I guess so. I've always been, yeah, people have always called me Hen. And uh, yeah, I guess that's why the name is that. Although I don't really think of it as, as about me. I think of it actually as the animal, the Hen, Gentle Hen. Well, that works. Yeah. <laughs> so your new band album uh gentle hens sneaking up on the moon Mm -hmm. so uh, where does that stand in your uh discography what does this uh new album mean to you would you say yeah it's the newest one it's the new one (laughs) (laughs) 
I think it's I think it might be our best as a band. I think it's the best band album, which I hate to say, especially because our guitarist Tony Westcott left. But he's really his spirit is in this. He, he I think something happened in the recording of this that we just just captured exactly what I was going for. It's also it's very new. So, you know, ask me in a few months and maybe I'll hate it. But you haven't gotten tired of the songs yet. Yeah, no. But I think, uh, and from from what I'm hearing from the rest of the band and from other people too, it's we caught something that was what we've been going for. Mm. That's always a really satisfying feeling when you achieve what you actually had in mind instead of stumbling onto some accident. Yeah. Yeah, it's rare. What we did is we we recorded it's 14 songs and we recorded all 14 of them, drums, bass, and one guitar in one day. Some of the songs the drummer and the bassist had barely heard yet (laughs) and some of them we had been playing for a while and some of them we just they kind of knew but the idea was to just capture sort of inspiration and like to to put ourselves not quite comfortable and to be sort of just on the edge the whole time we pushed it and we pulled it off and i i think at least i can hear it wow 14 songs in one day yeah (laughs) well you know we've been playing together for so long okay Uh, yeah that's true so because you had played with everybody in that band for so long, even if you didn't spend a lot of time preparing new songs, you just had a groove that you could uh, go into? Yeah, it's like uh, I had the songs written and completed. I always have a pretty much full structure of a song. And then I just trust uh, the drums. And the, the drummer is Brian Marchese and the bassist is Max Germer. And they both are incredible and they just can come up with parts like immediately so usually when i'm showing them a new song i I, we sit down and i start to play it and sing it and they're playing along before it's even finished so i figured let's just try and kind of record that way it wasn't that extreme you know we went over the songs we got them down but we we managed to squeeze them all in 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 a day man how long that take you like 12 hours you know i don't even think it was that long I, i we probably started at noon or getting drum sounds i bet it was five or six hours the uh the ones that we played live regularly which was some fraction of them uh you know we we pretty much just do them once so that's what's that three minutes per song you know it can go fast when you when you're doing it like that we would do it make sure we everybody was happy with what they did and just move on to the next one any overdubs yeah. oh lots no, of overdubs there's definitely overdubs. That that was for drums, bass, and and one guitar. Oh, okay. So vocals was yeah. on a yeah yeah yeah. We brought in the uh, the other guitarist, who's Ken Murray. Uh, he's you, he was our keyboard player, but now he's guitar and keyboard. And brought him in. I sort of encouraged him to play more guitar, less keyboard this time around. And so he came in and sat down with the songs and added his bits and came up with all these amazing parts. And then. Uh, then throughout the the weeks and months, I would sing sing the songs and add add little things when I when I was able to. Nice. So Ken, do you know is he the guy who uh, came up with that electric piano part for Jason's song Bank Book? Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, I really like that little melody he came up with. Yeah, he's a, he's incredible. And I understand you've worked with Jason yourself in the past, Jason Bourgeois. Yep, absolutely. I've uh, I've recorded a couple of. At least one full album, and then some songs here and there from his different records. Recorded with him, played on some stuff, uh, played in uh, some live things with him, uh, and we've done a lot of video work together. He's made a he's made videos for me. 
He lives right down the street. He's <laughs> six six houses down the street. Uh, I see him all the time. Yeah, he's a he's a great uh, music video maker. Even though um, I don't think that's like his main intention as a uh, filmographer or whatever the the terminology is. But he he puts together some cool videos. He's a filmmaker, but he uh, he definitely enjoys the music video aspect too. So. Over the years, with uh, all these different projects you've been a part of and these different bands, I imagine you've done a fair amount of touring as well? I, I've done touring, uh, but fairly limited in my actual bands. I, I toured pretty extensively with uh, a guy called Mark Mulcahy uh, playing in his band and then playing in another band of his called Polaris. And we traveled around a lot. And as far as my actual bands... We we have gone on like little little shots down the East Coast or over to Chicago or like a one-off here and there, but not a lot of not really a lot of touring. Most of the touring I've done has been uh, sitting in with other bands. Uh, but we do play a lot. We do play shows. You know, I've played a zillion shows, but just yeah, not yeah. not been hitting on the road that much. No, there's a lot of opportunities in the area anyway. So if you can avoid the whole getting in a van and going several states over, it's probably a <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I love doing it, but it's it's you know it's expensive and it's takes time and like we said, everybody's busy. Yeah, what have been uh, some particular highlights? Certain shows that you've done over the years that really stood out to you? Some of the some of my favorite ones uh, were uh, sort of quieter shows that we've done. We did some living room concerts, or I've done some solo shows that like a bookstore kind of play not a bookstore but a bookstore that has a venue mm -hmm. um, I, I really love those ones because i just i really enjoy uh talking to everybody in the audience and sort of bringing everybody in together uh but there the other ones that like the ones i've done with uh with mark or polaris there were some polaris was a, a sought after band so we would play to to packed houses and you know people pushed up against the front of the stage <laughs> and that kind of show and and music festivals in in england and ireland so that's you know the two opposite ends of the type of show i love them both yeah both have their appeal for sure yeah i've only ever done the uh the more intimate settings yeah. um but those can be some of my favorite shows when you you have the feeling everybody's just really engaged and it's not like a bar and people keep going back for drinks or something when people are really there to listen that can be really yeah. satisfying when everybody's connected and it seems like those two extremes the the quiet you know show for like 20 or 30 people and the big show in at a music fest or maybe not the music festivals as much but the big shows in like a in a big rock club those are the two shows where people are paying the most attention the in between shows are the ones where people are off at the bar or mm. you know talking in the back because it's 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 people who are dedicated to listening are at those two things it can be also kind of a rewarding challenge to play the shows where people aren't really there to pay attention and see if you can get them to engage. Yeah. Or see if you can still uh, put on a good show even if you don't feel like you're getting the uh, the response back from the audience that you're looking for. I guess that can become good practice too. That's how I that's how I became a, a performer. Uh, was I I hosted an open mic night mm. uh, at at a local a local bar, which was and it was in Northampton. It was the Bay State Hotel at the time. Is what it was called. It was a musician bar. You know, they would have bands on on the weekends and things. It was known for that. But the open mic night, which I hosted for years, every week, you're, you're battling with people who are just sitting at the bar, 
you know, yapping away, mm-hmm. which is fine. They're, they're not, you know, I don't, I didn't expect them to, but it really, it taught me, I really learned a lot about, I used to call it a lesson in humility every week, yeah. you know, to just accept the fact what's going on and then to try and engage people without being like uh, pushy about it. Yeah. That's a real skill. Not always easy. Yeah. I don't know if I've got it, but I, I got better at it. <laughs> so where was this Bay State Hotel? I'd never heard of this place. It's where the Sierra Grill is now. Okay. All right. It was there for years and years, but it eventually uh, was sold. And then this that scene sort of moved over to the Elevens and Harry's, uh, which is also gone now. Yeah. Northampton's kind of missing that sort of environment now. I mean, I don't know any place except the uh, Bishop's Lounge open mic. Yeah, and the Sierra Grill does it every Thursday night. They have uh, in the back room the old Bay State. It's called Reanimate the Bay State. Actually, is, oh. is serious. Huh. And then there's the, uh, you know, the bigger, the slightly bigger spots. And we're we're doing our album release at the Parlor Room. Was that? That's a great room. Yeah. You, so you I love that place. That. Yeah, it's great. So I'm happy about that. So what prompted you to start your own record label? We kind of. Like I was saying that that band Humbert, there were three of us that were songwriters. And when we stopped the band, we all made solo albums and we decided we should have some kind of some kind of place to get it out there and maybe like all all under one roof to kind of still keep it in the family. And so we did that. And then uh, I just kept adding records to it. And then the, the the deal with the the Rub Wrong Ways Records is it's not just a label. Actually, our logo, is, our motto is it's a label. No, it's not. Because it's not really, it's more like a website and it's uh, sort of a collaborative. Uh, I call it a songwriting collaborative too. We all, all, almost all the bands share members. So like Jason, Jason Bourgeois stuff is on there, Bourgeois Heroes and Beach Honey. And, you know, I, I played it on the Bourgeois Heroes albums and then he played and I played on Sitting Next to Brian, which is a band uh, that my drummer leads because he's a great songwriter as well. And then there's The Fonz, which is me and Brian and Max from my band and Ken from my band, <laughs> uh, led by Lisa Bezo, uh, who's a, a great songwriter as well. And so it's like th- we, we do this sharing thing and it just keeps webbing out. It's like a web that keeps expanding and these these other bands come in and people... People add their music. Um, so rather than it's, it, uh, rather than it being like a conscious collection of artists that have a certain style, or you're rather than like curating a certain genre of music, it's just a network of uh, friends and friends bands, more or less. It's a network of friends bands, but there is there is a sort of overall genre aesthetic that comes out of it because we all work together. The the one outlier is a band called the Salvation Alley String Band, which is kind of classic country. But even them, the, it's 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 a lot of. I feel like we really base things on songwriting and songs. All of the all of the acts. It's about it's about the song. Yeah. More so than the than necessarily the sound of the band or the uh, you know the 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 type of recording or any of that. It's song-based music and it's most of it's fairly jangly fairly 60s beatlesque kind of harmony melodic music <laughs> that certainly would describe uh, jason's music at least yeah very much yeah <laughs> wow and uh what's involved in uh running a label do you have to talk to vinyl pressing plants and coordinate electronic press kits and that sort of thing or is it a little less demanding than that 
It is. Uh, well, that's why we call it a label, not a label. Because okay. we don't. <laughs> you don't have to do the, the grunt work as much. No, I do. I do some things. I So I do a lot of grunt work for, for my bands and for my yeah, solo yeah. things and, and other projects. And then uh, anytime that I can do something where it makes sense to do it as a group. I, I keep looking up to my left because I'm looking at the CD, uh, the shelves of uh, CDs of the different bands right now. If if I can do some kind of promotional thing where it makes sense to do it as a group thing, you know, as a as a as a record label thing, I do that. And then I do I do grunt work as far as making sure everybody's online and has things together. But we all we all kind of work it together. We have like my bass player Max is a great art designer, so he does a lot of the album covers. Uh, we have a bunch of really good writers, uh, not uh, music writers, but also just writers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they help with all the any kind of press releases or bios. We just kind of push things out and everybody does things for each other. And then you have Jason's video skills. He brings those into the into the group. It's a neat collective. You cover a lot of bases. Yeah. If, if people want to imagine that we all live in one house like the monkeys or something, that's cool. <laughs> or like the Beatles and help. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what we are. We're the Beatles and help. <laughs> we are the Beatles. So you've been doing music quite a while. Um, how would you say your relationship with making music and with songwriting has changed over the years, if at all? Like, does it have any particular meaning to you now compared to when you were younger? Uh, I was just kind of thinking about that. It's that's a hard one to say. I, I know that I have gotten better over the years. As a musician? Yeah, as a musician and a songwriter and a singer and a performer, all that stuff. And I'm sure everybody kind of probably feels that way about themselves. So, you know, I could be wrong. Like, I'm sure that, I mean, I don't want to pick on him, but I'm sure that like someone like Sting <laughs> says that about himself, that he's probably f- better than ever. But, you know, I, <laughs> he, he's not. <laughs> Spoiler <laughs> but, alert. <laughs> right. But uh, I do feel like I, I, I have gotten better through the years. But as far as... Uh, well, how did you put it? Uh, my feelings towards songwriting, or your relationship with music in general, or with songwriting, like how you think of yourself as a musician. It's, it's an interesting question. I, I think it's more about uh, the only real change is probably I have more confidence now uh, than I did when I started, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. I always wrote music from the beginning, from that time I had that three-string guitar. I wrote songs and. And I always recorded from the beginning too, from the before the four-track cassette, uh, with just two cassette players doing multi-tracking that way, and uh, you know making cassette albums. So I've always been doing it, and uh, I guess I've just I feel like I've just been improving, but not that not that much else has really changed. Yeah. You still have the same sensibilities that you had. 20 years so. ago, more or less. Yeah, yeah. I, I, there's certainly more influences have, have pushed their way in through the years, but I, especially like listening to this new, this new Gentle Hen album, it really, really sounds like the music I was listening to and trying to make in high school. It's sort of that same, that same style of what mm. back then was called college rock. To me, it's like, I, yeah, I'm, I'm still going after the same, the same thing. So it's basically a refined version of what you had always been striving for. I think so. <laughs> it's funny to think of that because it's been <laughs> a long time, and that the person who was making those those cassette recordings doesn't kind of almost doesn't seem like me. But there's actually a, a one one of the songs on this new album is from I wrote it in 1991. 
some some of those old ones I still bring back in, and it it fits in perfectly fine. Yeah, that makes me wonder if I, because I'll have a handful of songs that just never found a place, but I wonder if I'm still making music down the line, if they'll eventually reemerge and kind of find their place, find an arrangement that works, however many years later. Well, first of all, you will still be music by making music down the line. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you will. Come on. I'll still have that compulsion. I hope so. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the band that I was, my first band that I was in in high school, there was four of us and three of us are still making music very much regularly. One of the, one of us totally professionally and the other, the other has a band kind of like mine that's, you know, playing and doing recording and making music. At all times. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's a pretty good record. I think if you, if you like it, you know, why would you stop? Yeah. And I mean, recording technology is available to most anybody. You just need the, the ideas. Yeah. And the instruments, I suppose. Yeah. Well, some people don't even use instruments now, right? You've been influenced by more and more stuff over time, but would you say your uh, taste in music hasn't really changed since when you started doing music or has it shifted a bit? It hasn't changed that much. I think that when I started listening to music like consciously, I had sort of three genres that I, I went towards, which one was that kind of college rock, alternative rock kind of sound of like R.E.M. and XTC, Robin Hitchcock, that kind of thing. Kate Bush. Jangle pop. Yeah, jangle pop. Exactly. And then the, the other was the sort of more singer songwriter, uh, a little bit more uh, lyric based, like uh, Simon and Garfunkel and Suzanne Vega or uh, Bob Dylan. And then the third was the sort of prog slash uh, psychedelic, hmm. uh, Pink Floyd and Yes. Uh, but I haven't uh, I haven't gotten too far into the prog and psychedelic yet in my my music. I was gonna say I don't really hear it in the uh, the songs that you showed me. I haven't gotten there yet. I want to get into the psychedelic eventually. I've just I can do it. I can make the noise, and I've been in psychedelic band, but uh, I don't know. It, it never. I can only ever put together a couple songs. I can never get like a whole oh. album yet, but I will. The recording process gets a little more in depth. The yeah. more uh, crazy effects you try to put on your songs and stuff. Yeah, unless you do it like a you know like a band that's playing psychedelic rock. Like if you listen to the first Pink Floyd albums, you hear the you hear the room and the band making those crazy sounds out of actual physical things in the room. Uh, so the one genre that sort of has popped in and influenced me more, I guess, would be back back in those days. I I hated any, anything that was sort of Americana ish or country ish, and I would consider like Neil Young to fit in that and. And I, I've I've grown over the years to love Neil Young and to admire a lot of those, uh, you know, Graham Parsons kind of. I don't even know who else, but uh, I can I can hear that once in a while seep into my newer, and by newer I mean the last decades. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, my newer my newer music. Yeah, I I thought I wasn't interested in that sort of country Americana music at all, and then I heard somebody like uh, Sturgill Simpson. Yeah. Don't know if you're. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with him. I don't know him that well, but yeah, exactly. It's because you get so turned off by the junk that you hear uh, in in the mainstream world. Yeah, you forget there's some people doing interesting stuff with that. Exactly, and of course they are. I mean, you know, the, all the all the, oh, just speaking of it, Glenn Campbell just died today. Oh yeah, rest in but peace. All, all those guys, you know, there's amazing songwriting and and, and singing and and I think the other my other influence that I got over the last. Uh, 
20 years or so was the music scene right here and other other bands and other friends and you know seeing the same band play 50 or 60 times and you know in the local club or whatever you you start to get some some influence from them as well so i was lucky to uh fall into a a scene that had a lot of great songwriters and musicians absolutely anything else you'd like to share about uh sneaking up on the moon uh we have pedal steel on a guitar this guy named andy goulet who's also who's in the salvation alley string band which is a rub wrongways uh, artist and then uh, another genius named dave trenholm who plays saxophone on a song and that guy's man he can do anything and uh, Lisa Bezo of the Fonz sings and plays some guitar on, on songs as well. So we, we brought in a few guests, but not too many. Are they all coming to the, uh, the Parlor Room show? I hope so. I know that we got the pedal steel locked down. And I, uh, Lisa said that she would sing. Uh, I haven't uh, found out for sure about the sax yet. It might be hard because it's like a four-part sax part and he's just one player. <laughs> I don't you know if we'll do that get or four not. of him. Yeah, I don't know if we'll make him come out for the f- 15 seconds of sax that is on the, <laughs> the album. No, that sounds like it's going to be a great show. Uh, I hope so. Yeah, I'm excited about it. All right. Thanks so much for talking to me today. All right. Thank you very much for talking to me. I enjoy the show. That was Henning Olenbush, a man of many talents. Seems like a really nice guy, too. Always interesting to talk with musicians who've been at it a while. If you liked this episode of Talking About the Passion, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Leave a rating or review there as well if you're up to it. Sign up for the Niagara Moon mailing list for weekly updates on the podcast and for my musical project, Niagara Moon. Go to niagaramoonmusic.com, scroll down, and enter in your email address. Find the podcast on Facebook at Talking About the Passion. I'm also on Twitter at TATP Podcast and on Instagram at Niagara Moon Music. If you want to write me with any questions or comments about the podcast, you can email TATPPodcast at gmail.com. The theme song for Talking About the Passion is the Niagara Moon song Pantheon Bar off my recent album Eating Peaches. To play us out, we're going to hear another song from Sneaking Up on the Moon called Willing to be Forgiven. And after that, you're going to hear a track from Henning's solo album, Another Sleepless Nap, a song called Maybe I'm Not Meant to Do Anything Remarkable After All. Enjoy, and see you next Wednesday. Me, I'm willing to be forgiven.
you can find it in your heart If we can put aside our egos If we start from the start Maybe you and me can be amigos Why can't you see That's no way to go on living Listen to me I'm willing to be forgiven Seem right, that's a strange definition for you and me. When I'm out at night, I will change my position, put a, put a wall behind me, cause I never know where you'll be. I know you didn't forget, I know it wasn't nothing. I can't fight the feeling that I might be the
nothing but guilt When I took a look at the life I built Surely I was meant for something more Something great But lately I feel something more like peace Have I given up or have I been released? Maybe this drive to improve ourselves Might be a mistake we all make I believed them for a long, long time But I was headed for a wall Maybe I'm not meant to do anything remarkable After all I believed them for a long, long time But they told it to us all Maybe I'm not meant to do anything remarkable After all